This is the Hunt for Wellness podcast with Eric Fahrenbach, 48 Trigger. It's another great day for wellness, and this is Bones bringing the packs of F3 Nation the latest strategies and tips to accelerate their king and optimize their queen. Health is a journey and requires you to take a proactive approach on a daily basis. Knowing exactly what to do and how to do it will help you achieve it faster. Each week, we are going to be interviewing the leading health and wellness experts, sharing inspiring stories from the packs, and diving into the latest research to help you optimize your health. So get ready as we embark on your hunt for wellness. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Hunt for Wellness podcast. This is Dr. Tunis Hunt, otherwise known as Bones in the Gloom. And Pax, super excited to be on the show this week. Uh, super excited about our guest and some of the amazing things he's going to share. And uh, just grateful for this time of year. Uh, for most of us, uh, we're gearing up for Christmas. We're gearing up uh, to uh, hopefully spend some time with some loved ones uh, outside of uh, work. And we're able to really kind of cherish those relationships that are important to us um, and, and really why we get up early in the morning out in the gloom and make ourselves better men. But uh, in any case, I had a chance to reach out to some high impact men across the country who hold some very special positions. And one of uh, my guests, or excuse me, the guest today is one of these high impact men that hold this. A specific uh, position, which is a sector queue. And the guest today, and I'm honored to have him on the show today, is none other than Eric Fahrenbach, otherwise known as Trigger in the Gloom. Welcome to the show, my friend. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate this opportunity. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. So I, I got your name uh, through the, uh, through our, uh, a mutual friend of ours, of course, uh, none other than GMO, who is kind of the cue of the sector cues, if you will. And I was reaching out to him and I said, hey, man, I'd love to connect with some of the other high impact man men on your team. And uh, he was gracious enough to kind of pass on that information. And of course, you are one of those. So uh, super excited to dive into exactly what a sector cue does but more importantly, get to know you a little bit better so that you can share some of your health journey, some of your F3 uh, journey with the packs and, and just really share your story overall. So I appreciate you kind of jumping on and, and willing to do that today. All right. Yeah, sounds great. I um, guess we'll, we'll, we'll begin at the beginning. So Eric Fahrenbach, 48 trigger is something I say a lot of times during the week to a lot of, uh, a lot of great, great, great fellows who share the, uh, the gloom with me. I've been in F3 since um, July of 2019, got um, an, an interesting EH as EH by uh, Uptown Girl, out of who was Nantan, out of Lehigh Valley at the time, happens to be my brother-in-law. Um, his sister's pretty hot, so I married her. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was coming out of, I've been an earnest but unspectacular men's league soccer player um, for years. Uh, did my hamstring and what was supposed to be an eight week healing process took about 16 weeks before I really felt my hamstring because I tore it pretty badly before I felt ready to really do anything. And at that time I spent a fair amount of time kind of feeling sorry for myself. And so um, Uptown 
girl lives about an hour from me, but he knew of this AO five minutes from my house. So he called me up one Tuesday and said, guess what, buddy? I'm coming down for dinner tonight. I'm sleeping over and I'm taking to this workout 10 minutes from your front door. And so that's what I did. And uh, yeah. I was, you know, so I had no idea what to expect wearing um, old, you know, soccer shorts and, and, a, and a jersey and trying to, you know, immediately sort of humbled about 10 minutes into it because having not been too active coming off, off, off the, uh, off the injury and um, something about it really hooked with me. I was fortunate that day. Um, the Grand Tan C-SPAN happened to be one of the guys at that AO this morning, that morning. And he sort of stayed with me, helped me understand no man's left behind, no man's left where, where, where he's found and helped just get me through that first workout. Um, no more low, much to my uh, brother-in-law's dismay. I was able to keep, you know, everything down, but um, it was a great workout. And it, and that hooked me because one of the things that I've been missing was being part of a team and having played soccer for so many years. And before that, I played rugby. Um, I coached a lot of soccer as well. Um, you know, I missed being around my guys. And, you know, when you're injured on a team, you're not as much used to people. And F3 views injuries a lot differently. And, and that, that really helped me and been posting ever since. Yeah. Um, well, so your brother-in-law was the one you said that introduced you, Uptown Girl. Now, was he in it? Uh, how long was he in it prior to introducing you into it? He had been in it about a, a year, maybe a year and a half. Uptown's a really interesting guy. Of course, I'm biased because he's family. But um, he had found out about F3, and there really wasn't anything up here. So um, I'm in Philly. He's in the Allentown area. And so he started communicating, I think, via the Facebook page at first with guys. And then he actually took a trip down into somewhere in the Carolinas to post with guys, to learn about it, to understand it. And he was one of several people who brought F3, you know, up to this great frontier that we call the Northeast. Uh, him, obviously, C-SPAN, if you know Dos Equis, uh, instrumental guy in Princeton, uh, side effects in, in Valley Four, you know, a bunch of these different guys who wanted to experience this or had experienced it and then moved and all had this collective idea that there's something missing and this might be the right jigsaw piece to fit in that hole in our puzzle. Yeah. And so super grateful to those original plank holders, you know, it looked like a lot of times we were building a pier, but now I feel like we've actually built a bridge and we're, and we're going someplace. That's awesome. So he had been in about a year prior to introducing it to you. Now, were you, getting stories about it. I mean, you, you, you said you showed up and he kind of, you know, he came to dinner and he decided to, you know, take you the next morning. Did you have a half inkling of what you were getting into what F3 was about prior to that post? Uh, not much. And that was on me. He had told me about it, but I wasn't ready to hear it. So I don't, so I didn't listen intentively. I didn't listen with intention. Um, I just said, you know, Hey, you know, at that point, I called him by his you know, gym, you know, great. I'm glad you're doing this thing. Good for you. You know, sort of yeah. like when you hear somebody else like, yeah, you know, that's fantastic that you're playing pickleball, uh, you know, or anything else. Right. You know, I, I didn't it. really, I didn't, it's one of those things. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll rip off dark helmet here. Cause he's, he's imminently quotable, you know, come and see. 
and and as as we say up here, show to know. Like I had to be there and do it. And I think that's the only way that it makes sense. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of like having a child. You, someone can tell you all about it before you're a parent, but until you are a parent, you don't really understand it. Same thing with the gloom. Someone can talk about working out because we all these preconceptions of what a workout group is and does, you know, outside of F3. And, and, and we're definitely unique uh, in that, the brotherhood, the COT, that aspect of things that make us so unique. Um, now, so do you call him by Jim now, or do you call him by uh, his F3 name more often? Um, yeah, it depends upon the situation. At Thanksgiving, he's Jim. Okay. In Just my curious. phone, uh, under contacts, he's actually a town girl now. So Okay, there you go. Yeah, it's amazing how that happens, uh, you know, as far as... Uh, uh, you know, you get more and more friends that were friends prior to F3 and then, you know, them by their F3 name. And that's kind of, you know, how you refer to them moving forward. And certainly as a brother or brother-in-law, that, that's interesting. Now your F3 name is Trigger. Why, yep. uh, why were you given that name? Um, so I'm a, I'm a tinkerer of, of sorts. And one of the things that I do tinker on is, uh, is, is firearms. And I've, um, built or restored a number of classic um, firearms, both uh, black powder, um, bolt action and semi-automatic. Uh, particularly, I like Eastern block stuff, which you really can't get anymore. So I have a nice, I have a nice collection of things and get to, and that's a, one of the hobbies I, I enjoy. And like, hopefully Saturday, I'll go out to the range with my dad and my, and my father-in-law. And sometimes when my son's home from school, we'll get three generations out to the range together, all doing something together, which is a way more fulfilling thing than three of us going to watch someone else play volleyball. Yeah. Because you know, you're no, all, doing you. something, all doing something collectively, uh, you know, to, uh, together. Gotcha. So when did you get into that type of hobby? How long ago was that? Well, it was, um, I guess I've been doing that for almost a decade now. It sort of started, um, I had inherited a couple um, muskets that um, an uncle of mine had built. Uh, he used to build a musket for deer season each year, and I thought, and I thought, well, this would be cool to get this thing working again. So I, I started doing that stuff, and then um, I, have, I have a cousin who's unfortunately not an F three guy, but hopefully he will be in the future. Uh, he, he and I also do like, you know, tinker on cars. He's a mechanic by, by a trade. And we started to figure out that you could get these cut up AK 47s out of, uh, the Czech Republic sent to you. And if you got a new barrel and a new lower receiver and you demilled it and you riveted it back, back together, you could build a pretty cool, um, system. So we both did, uh, I have a, I have a 1969 Tula AK 47 that I built. And that was, that's quite a process and you really get very in and intimate with it but i like the machining i like the joining and unlike a lot of things for uh, for i think a lot of people in our day work when you're doing a project like that you can see the progress you can feel there's there's some fulfilling feedback to that and i think that also dovetails in with the fitness side of things like when you're working out and you're getting after it and you're training right and you're feeding yourself right, you can feel the progress and you can see, oh, this is different than it was yesterday. This is different than it was two weeks ago. And, you know, rescuing and 
you know, revitalizing and rehabbing, you know, some of these forgotten firearms was uh, that had gave a same sort of, you know, more of a mental and emotional as opposed to physical sense of, of satisfaction. But yeah, really enjoy it. Yeah, no, I mean, there's nothing more satisfying than getting your hands on something and, and seeing it change or uh, be built or, or restored or whatever. So I can completely understand, you know, your, your love for it and, um, you know, why it would be exciting for you. So I guess you, in the circle of trust, just kind of started talking about firearms and they just started yelling out uh, firearm related uh, nicknames. Is that, is yeah. that kind of how yeah. it went? Well, yeah, I will. I, yeah, they basically asked me, you know, what do I do with my free time? Oh, gotcha. And since I was coming off of, off an injury, I've been pretty sedentary. Yeah. And so you're going to say, oh, well, I eat chips and watch soccer. Like, that's not a good, like, hot, you know, that's not very, you know, was, but I really had done a lot of work because I, I, I probably could have been doing more, more training, but I didn't trust the hamstring. I didn't trust myself and I wasn't willing to push myself. So I threw myself into another hobby, which is better than being alone by yourself with nothing to do. No, yeah, absolutely. Was, I think it's great. I was just curious. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the name makes perfect sense. Trigger is fantastic. You know, as far as F3 name goes, as you've probably been around long enough now to know that some F3 names out there are a little worse than others and, and Trigger is a pretty good one to have. So I definitely- Yeah, I didn't uh, mind it. No, I, I bet not. Well, good for you. I alluded at the top of the show that you hold a a leadership role within F3. And I think you have one there locally, but certainly as as a sector queue. So help us understand a little bit about what a sector queue is and what you're doing or where your section is or sector is and, and how that looks like uh, as far as what your leadership looks like. Yeah, so what so I think the primary role of the sector queue is to attend meetings so that you don't have to. That's our that's our big thing. We take on the onus of 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 admin. And back in the day, there were these larger, they try to get all the Nantans on two different phone calls um, on a regular basis. And it was just chaos. You, you, and it would became a very one-way conversation, a top-down. And I said, well, this is good to be able to disseminate the culture down, but we're not hearing anything coming back up. And so a bunch of people in their infinite wisdom broke it up into a bunch of different regions. Um, I happen to be part of the Northeast region. And so instead of dealing with hundreds of Nantans, I get to deal with about 35. And I break this down and with those groups into smaller groups then. And so we can actually have conversations with each other as opposed to just being a top-down organization, well, what's working? What's not working? How do, and sometimes arm around the shoulder, being a coach, being a friend, um, being someone to talk to. And because we all have these ideas, and we all have things that we want to do, but has someone else done this already? Can we borrow someone else's best practice? Can we figure something out with that? And so the Cetricue's job is, and I have a number of great people who work with me, just to help these guys not feel like they're on an island, feel like they're being listened to, feel like they're, you know, that, and sometimes just say, hey, thanks for doing that. Because being a Nantan sometimes can be a, bit, a somewhat thankless job because you inevitably make a decision that someone doesn't like. You're not going to make everybody happy. And you have to take that sometimes because that's, that's, that's the job. That's part of the job. And so 
from from that perspective. And I just got into this as something I was somewhat voluntold to do with this awesome guy, uh, Major Payne, who had a great excuse for leaving. He's become a grow rock cadre, and you can't stand in the way of that because that's pretty awesome. But that's that's too much for one guy one guy to do. So he uh, he uh, suggested me to uh, to a GMO, and and somehow I passed the uh, the interview process. And they and they let me on these Zoom calls a couple of times a month. So, yeah, I think the interview process goes like this: Are you willing to do it? Yes. All right, you're you're sold, <laughs> which is great. And and you know we joke about that, but we you know I know the nation's appreciative of you, and I know your Nantans that you get an opportunity to work with appreciates you because it is a job that uh, you know bears some responsibility, but at the same time, you know. None of us are getting paid for any of any of the things we're trying to contribute and make this this organization that we love uh, so much, uh, uh, you know, better it. So no one's getting paid for that. So it's stepping up and and putting time and effort into that, uh, you know, it, it takes dedication. And so I appreciate you for doing that, and I know those guys do as well. Now let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, Trigger. Let's kind of dive into you personally. Uh, this is. You know, the Hunt for Wellness podcast, we, we try to highlight acts and other people around health and wellness, kind of what they're doing, what works for them, some of the challenges, maybe some of the struggles that they've had, and really just an opportunity to share so that we can inspire other people. Because I've done this long enough to know that each and every one of us are, are, are a little bit different and things that I say may not resonate with somebody, but somebody else may have something, a tidbit or whatever can resonate with them. And so let's do this. Let's, let's kind of go back in time a little bit. Um, you mentioned soccer. Now, was that something that you played all your life? Was that one of many sports? Bring us back a little bit as far as kind of your health and wellness journey. Yeah. yeah. So I, I played a f um, soccer in high school. I uh, really, I, I love the sport, but um, I was, as I said, I, as an earnest, but mediocre player. But I, but I love being outdoors. I love being part of, part of a team. I went to a, a small D3 college down in, down in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, and was introduced to rugby there. And so got to do the same thing, but played as a club sport. So uh, I was there on an academic scholarship that I desperately needed. And so it, I thought a club was perfect as opposed to being on, on a team of things that you can walk away from a club much more easily. You can walk away from a, you know, a, a, a true team sport. And so did that, um, played a little bit of men's league rugby when I was in grad school and got out of grad school, uh, you know, married, had a kid, had another kid, realized this older kid needed to do something. So I became a soccer coach for a decade. Um, also, so I coached boys travel. I ran the, the girls intramural soccer program here locally for a couple of years as well, just to expose kids to a sport that I just think is great because it's for all body types, it's for all sizes. And you run around and you're outside in all kinds of different weather. And I just think being outdoors is so good for us. Yeah. And so soak up that vitamin D. And, and so, and then was, as I was coaching for a while, I got the bug to then get back into men's league and having been out of the sport basically when you coach you don't play as much and you're when you are playing you're playing with kids as opposed to other grown men and uh 
So found a, found a league and a team on my level that would let me in. And I spent a number of seasons with those guys and I, and I loved it, but you know, I had a pretty nasty injury with a torn hamstring and that really, really slows you down. Sure. Yeah. So it sounds like high school did soccer. Um, were you doing other things like health and wellness relay? I mean, were you conscious of diet? Were you thinking about things like that at that age uh, in life? Um, not, not so much. So, you know, at, at, you know, at, at, at 48, you know, as I'm a child of the seventies and, and the eighties. So my parents were born in the forties. They didn't think that way. They were happy that we were up and we were active and, you know, we weren't smoking or something like that. You know, there wasn't yeah. this idea of like, and we also didn't grow up in, you know, an economic circumstance that allowed for gym memberships and those kind of, those kind of things. You know, we, we were, you know, it was, it was up to us to keep ourselves entertained and to keep ourselves active to, 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 to a, to a certain degree. And so, that that's what we did. I didn't really start to understand a lot of the health and wellness side of things until I started playing rugby in men's league with guys older than me. And I started to find out all the things that they did not at practice, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and while, and while rugby does certainly have um, uh, a somewhat deserved, you know, drinking culture, at least a day after, you know, after the match and stuff like that, the number of the things that these guys did and what they taught me about with when to eat, how to eat things to add things to take away, those kind of things was, you know, was, what was, was really helpful. And it was nice because these guys, a lot of these guys were my age, a little bit older. So it was, you know, a peer to peer conversation as opposed to a, a parent child conversation or a teacher student conversation. Sometimes you'll hear the same message much more clearly from a friend than you will from, you know, uh, someone who you view as an authority figure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we try to emulate people that we respect. And if we see somebody doing something that we want to achieve, the, the quickest way of doing that is to, to, to pick their brain and ask those questions versus trying to be lectured to from somebody that you don't associate with or can't relate with. So I completely understand that. And, and, you know, you brought up rugby, um, you know, culturally here, it's not as popular, um, you know, as maybe other places. It's gaining popularity, but, you know, growing up, I don't ever re really remember um, learning a lot about rugby here locally. I I'm in the Charlotte metro region and grew up in the, you know, relatively close, close by. And, you know, we had soccer course. Soccer was my school or excuse me, uh, sport of choice as well. I love the idea of it, but I can see the relationship or the similarities to rugby to it. Now looking at both sports, do you, do you prefer rugby over soccer, soccer over rugby? Do you, do, or are they just totally different in your mind that you um, love them equally? Yeah. Well, I'd say one of the key differences, um, you know, I, I ended my, my soccer career as a, well, didn't quite end it because I did, play a couple seasons of men's league with my son when he was in high school, which was really rewarding. That was really cool to get on the field with him. But basically I ended my, 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 my soccer career, if you will, with a, with a, with a torn hamstring. Um, I retired from my last rugby match in an MRI and I don't remember that match at all. Oh, and gosh. so I much prefer, I much prefer <laughs> soccer because yeah. 
Um, a lot fewer concussions for me in that sport. Yeah, no, it's a rough sport. And just kind of watching it, uh, the limited amount of time that I have, I can definitely see just how violent it can be. And um, certainly those guys are out there getting beat up and, and uh, pushed around a little bit. So, yeah, uh, that can be detrimental for long-term health too. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure some of those guys are really suffering later in life. Um, as far as health challenges, as health, uh, health obstacles, anything stick out in your mind over the last, you know, over your lifetime that you had to overcome? Anything that uh, you felt like this was a, a challenge or an obstacle, and how'd you deal with it? Well, yeah, I guess one of the it, it, it's interesting because it, it'll go into the F three story a little bit. I I've suffered from from uh, depression my entire life. That's just and I thought forever that's just that's my burden to bear. That's what I'm going to carry around with me. Um, and I found that being active helped that. Being, being outdoors helped that. Those kind those kind of things. But once you you know. I, it was also treated with medication under, you know, doctor's supervision. And that's, a, that's, a, and I have found that, you know, one of the things that was sort of holding me back in those ways was not really challenging myself to a greater degree physically as I could. And that was one thing that F3 has kind of unlocked in me. There's two things that I really, after the initial, like, couple months of F3. The two things that I fell in love with were the COT and the CSOP. I think those are the, those are, you know, those are my two big things because it was really, it was the first time in a long time that I had a place where I could safely unburden myself around supportive people. And, you know, there's a lot of preventative things out there, but I think with mental health, we really don't get to choose the way we, that we get sick. It kind of happens to us. And so, to be, and that's not the kind of thing that you really talk about in your soccer team. It's not the kind of thing you talk about, you know, with your coworkers. It's not the kind of thing, and you don't really want to unload that on your M every day because it's not fair to her to be your lone support system, right? And so I really valued guys like C-SPAN, uh, Sky Ping, El Toro. Um, I could list a bunch of guys but who, who sat and they listened to me and they talked to me in a way that other people hadn't. And that I found very, very, you know, sort of uplifting. And then the CSOP, I found when I have something on the calendar that I'm training for, that I'm pushing myself for, that I'm going after, you know, the endorphins that I feel, as opposed to just, I'm going to slog through this five-mile run. Now, I'm going to slog through this five-mile run, and I'm going to feel awesome at the end of it because I'm training for this Ragnar team, or I'm training for a for a, a Grow Rock event, or I'm training for, you know, I don't embarrass myself in the 10K in the neighborhood, right? You know, and you have that thing out there. And the way exercise, exercise is great. Exercise, exercise with purpose for me is so much more valuable in that it helps me mentally and emotionally as much as it does physically. Yeah, no, I mean, th th there's nothing more powerful, in my opinion, than than exercise when it comes to health and wellness, and certainly that mental game, uh, because we can get inside our heads and we can, you know, talk all type of narratives and, and so forth, whereas when we're getting out there, breathing the oxygen, pushing our limits physically, 
those endorphins that get released, there's so many benefits to it. And, and, and that's kind of what you're speaking to. And I totally agree with that. Um, what did you do prior to F3? You mentioned, you know, the soccer club and obviously you, you were physically active. Um, what did you find helped you prior to F3 to kind of battle those demons or if anything? Um, you know, not, I didn't do too much. I, 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 I went to my doctor regularly. I took the med, my, my medication. I spent, I spent some time in therapy and those kind of things, the, the therapy, I did group and I did solo, uh, um, it it helped to a certain degree, but it, it wasn't fulfilling in the, you know, it didn't stick for me. And that partially, and that's my fault as much as anyone else's uh, because it became easy to not go. It became easy to just, you know, push those feelings down deep inside yourself and don't let them out. And those kind of, those kind of things, which is not the healthiest approach. And I found that, um, I felt a certain degree of shame around all of it. And that's not a very positive thing to be carrying around in your, in your, in your head all day and all night. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so there are times and you can go off the rails a little bit. You can be self-abusive. You can you know, do things that really aren't benefiting you or anyone else around you. And, and, you know, I, and I think a lot of people have a moment where they've gone off the rails and, and I, and I certainly had one. And, and that was one of those things that I realized in a, to use some F3 parlance, I needed some guardrails in place mm. and I wasn't quite sure what they were. And then accidentally I found it one day, you know, in the, you know, in a business park in Rosemont, Pennsylvania with five other sweaty guys after we just bear crawled across a parking lot. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. Funny. It's amazing. It's funny that, yeah, that shared gloom experience, how that really connects people and allows us to feel a little bit more comfortable and confident in sharing our stories with, with other men. How long were you in F3 before you felt like that COT was that safe place for you? Um, I th- I, about, probably about four or five months. Okay. And, and, and I, and I, and I remember having it and it was one of those things because I, I knew internally, this is what I had to do. I had to commit myself to this. And I had been helped because I'd been in other COTs where other people had shared some heavy things. Right. So there was, I wasn't the first guy coming out and saying, you know, I didn't want to be the first guy over the wall. That was, that was the thing. And I, and I, and I remember um, talking with, 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 with one of the guys because I sort of had I was in a bad patch and I think it was like three or four COTs in a row I said basically the same thing like I'm struggling right here I think I'm okay but you know if someone wants to meet meet me for, for, for coffee sometime this week that would really help and and and, and some guys did and I sort of apologized to, to one guy I'm like you know I feel like I'm sort of bogarting COT and I don't want to make it about me it's about and it's like dude what you're saying people need to hear here and if you need to say it we're here and to just be in that moment of like not judged and that moment where like that helps. Uh, and that guy's name was Ping, by the way. I have to give him a shout out directly because he was really, really important to me. And he's been important to, to, to a lot of us up here in Philly. Um, but now is a moment where a lot of the shame evaporated. And, you know, and on the flip side of it, like the pride 
that I can do this by myself evaporated. I didn't need to, I didn't need to lie to myself about that anymore. And, and that was really, you know, you probably hear this a lot of different ways from a lot of different people about, you know, F3 saving lives. That might be a moment that F3 saved life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, the, what you're sharing is so important because, you know, um, we all go through ups and downs and ebb and flows in our lives. And, and if we're in a circle of, of other men, more than a couple people, chances are there is a man there that does have some serious needs that need to be addressed. And we just need to be open to receive those and encouraging to each other to share that. And, um, you know, I'm so thankful that you got to that point where you felt comfortable and, and was willing to share it. Um, if there was a guy listening that might be thinking in the back of their head, like, man, I, I wish I had the confidence or the ability to share in my COT, or maybe they wanted to and just haven't had the opportunity to, um, any advice or anything that you would speak into them as far as, um, you know, their willingness to speak up? Well, first of all, I will acknowledge it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, it's, it's, it's a tough moment. Or it certainly was for me, and I have to be solipsistic about it. I I can only speak through my own experiences of it. Um, but what's what's the bigger risk here? A couple guys are going to look, going to side eye you a little bit of scans, or are you going to destroy yourself? Like, what's really at play here? I mean, if if you need someone's, if you're in a circle with five other guys, okay, let's say four of them think still be the one that that fifth guy is going to care. You don't have to get every single guy in that COT on, on on your side the first time. One of them will be on your side because one of them, I guarantee, is going through it. And yeah. when you're talking about serious depression, you're talking about serious problems, you're talking about issues of, of, of self-harm, which is, of course, in the news constantly right now. Um, and if you're thinking about doing that, you can't be scared to talk to somebody. You have to yeah. say something. And that's what I did. Yeah. And then if you are a guy in the circle, let's just say, hear something um, from another guy, uh, you mentioned getting coffee or something with men around that circle. Um, what are some suggestions for some of us that if we're in a COT and we hear a guy maybe struggling or whatever, um, just through your own experience, wh- what do you think most guys you know, need or appreciate or what are some steps or action steps we can take as packs to help that guy out? Well, I think the first thing to do is accept that person at face value what they're saying. Don't modify it. Don't judge it. Don't try to understand it. Just accept that person where he is right now. Um, Secondly, um, I'm one of those people, an arm around the shoulder helps. I don't need to actually hear anything from you. We can go for a cup of coffee and not even talk to each other. But just sometimes sitting with someone else is a common experience. You don't, you have someone proximal to you, so you don't feel alone. This person's investing time in you in that moment. Um, and then one of the things that 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 we do occasionally is through the Slack or on a text chain, we just check in. Hey, mental health check in. How's everyone doing? If anyone needs anything, DM me. Yeah, and yeah, then, being proactive with it. Yeah, I think that's a that's a smart move. And uh, uh, the other thing you said is very interesting too about just being present. That knowing that someone is listening to you or or acknowledge 
and acknowledges you that you have this struggle, not try to figure it out. Cause I think as men, we try to be problem solvers and, you know, sometimes that can be helpful, of course, especially if you've trained in, in that scenario and, 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 you know, maybe some techniques and things, but, uh, at the end of the day, I think what most of us need is just knowing that we're not alone, knowing that someone hears us and, um, you know, that we matter to somebody else. So I, I think, um, you know, that those, that's a great point because I think sometimes we fear not knowing what to say or how to react to, to, to certain situations, especially if we're not familiar with it personally and just knowing that just being present or just being, you know, putting an arm around somebody makes an impact. And I think those are very, you know, uh, easy steps or practical steps that somebody can make. Um, and hopefully this will be encouraging to guys that maybe are having this struggle to be willing to step up and, 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 and say something because, um, you know, you made a comment about, you know, five guys in the circle, you know, four of them may not, you know, in my experience, and I've been doing F3, you know, for six years now and been part of a region where a lot of guys post and big COTs. I mean, you can have 30 guys in a circle and I promise all 30 of them care, you know, maybe not the same level and you may not have a personal relationship with all 30 guys like you do with a handful of them, but man, I've yet to be in a scenario where um, someone's struggle isn't taken serious. And I think that's the, the magic of F3 and, and why I see the COT and Slaughter often says, you know, what differentiates our men's workout group from other men's workout group is the COT. It's that circle of trust aspect. And it is absolutely true. It's absolutely right. Speaking of, COTs and workouts. Uh, tell us a little bit about kind of what your posting schedule looks like. I mean, how many days are you out in the gloom and what style of exercises are you typically going to as far as um, AOs? Yeah, so mostly I'm on a Monday, Friday, Saturday schedule. That works for me because I also, I'm an avid runner and my running club is Tuesday night, Wednesday night. So we do interval work Tuesdays, long runs Wednesdays. It's very hard to do 90 minutes of interval work Tuesday night and post Wednesday morning. <laughs> Just, <laughs> my body doesn't recover in time. Um, and so those are all largely, you know, boot camp style workouts. Um, every Friday is a coupon workout. I like to get after it with that. I feel, you know, you get a really, it's a really positive way to end my, my work week you know, by slinging some blocks around and doing a bunch of, you know, man makers and overhead presses. And also one of the key things that I like about that, we do a lot of rows because so much of F3 is pushing exercises. So to get some pooling exercises in to help balance out everything is I think really important and, and sort of helps me. And Saturdays I go to one or two AOs. Sometimes I do the pre, we'll, sometimes we'll, we'll pre-rock beforehand. Other times, we, you know, other times I don't. Um, I have a teenage daughter, so it depends on what time Friday night ends as to whether I can yeah. make a 5.30 ruck. Um, and then uh, and then that uh, Saturday workout, you know, is I think the sort of typical F3 workout that happens everywhere. It's peer-led, and we go through a bunch of different town parks, and we do a bunch of different movements. And then what I love up here is – 
we do cafeteria on site after every workout. So oh, someone, wow. volunteer, someone volunteers to bring the coffee. We share that around. Um, and actually one guy, Spike, always brings mugs on, on Saturday evening. So everyone has a, so if you forgot your cup, there's one waiting for you. And uh, that also just helps to transition things, helps keeping people in touch with each other, gets a little bit of that second F and that understanding and, and guys hang out and it's, and, and it's great. And sometimes I feel like our cafeteria lasts longer than the workout does. And that's all right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with an extended second half cafeteria opportunity because that's really kind of where you get to know and build some of those, you know, deeper relationships. I mean, you know, in my opinion, in the gloom, you're kind of, you know, shared suffering. And so you're gaining respect and trust from a guy just, you know, non-verbally, but then the, really the delve into their personal life and their story and, and all that kind of stuff happens in that second half. So that's interesting that you guys you know, have that opportunity to, to offer that after every uh, workout. Now, do you guys offer a workout every day of the week? Um, yeah, so we have everything. Yeah, it's six days a week. Um, okay. we, don't do, uh, we sometimes do, you know, off the book stuff on, on Sundays. Like when I was training for a marathon star course, we did like a bonus Sunday Rock. Um, we're going to do. I'm part of a Ragnar trail team this year. We'll probably do some Sunday trail runs just to get the guys together and do something that wouldn't really fit into. Like you'd have to be prepared. For, this would not be a good just workout to roll into. Like as an right, FNG right. Down range. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I hear you. It's, it's you know a purpose built beat down. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And then uh, you're you're an F3 Philly. Uh, region now are you yep. guys in downtown area or are you guys in the surrounding uh counties Where, what does that look like geographically it, yeah so it's it is largely the leafy suburbs of, of of philadelphia though every saturday we do post at 15th and juniper downtown in the gritty city and that is um that is an eye-opening workout for for uh for uh people and we do catch a lot of downrange people because we're actually in the city so people stay in town can either walk there from the hotel, grab an Uber or some of that, and it's easy enough to do. And then the rest of our um, AOs are all um, sort of neighborhood spots, except for we have a trail running rucking AO in Valley Forge National Park, which is a really nice asset to have really well-maintained trails to be able to run and ruck through. Yeah. Now, is it a prerequisite for every Saturday queue to run the Rocky Stairs? Do you guys build that in? We do a lot of rocky stair work. Um, come on out! I like to do the uh, wheelbarrow up the uh, oh, rocky wow. stairs with a partner. That's a <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good variation. Also, what's fun? You go the other way. You go down to the river, and it's beautiful. Yeah. It is. And, I had an opportunity a few years ago, um, and I don't know if F three Philly was up and running uh, during this, but I had a chance to visit with my or visit. Philly for a couple of nights, uh, just with my family, we were traveling up to upstate New York for a, a summer kind of vacation and used Philadelphia as a, a stopping point just to kind of show my 2.0s, you know, th this history in Philly. And, and one, one day we kind of did the whole walk. I mean, we were down by the river where we were staying. We walked all the way up to where the Rocky statue is and everything in between. And, uh, there's a lot of, 
a lot of cool places to, to exercise. That's for sure. Uh, a lot of history in that city. It's, it's a pretty neat place to be. Yeah. We, we sort of joke that it's a, that it's a, it's a running AO as much as it, because we cover a lot of mileage in, 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 in Philly. It's a great pearls on a string kind of beat down spot. You can go, you, you guys have done like really interesting stuff. They've done like sculpture tours, mural tours, um, different um, healthcare facility, tour, you know, just hitting all these spots and stop here and do, you know, do 15 burpees. Then we're going to keep sure. going. And it, it yeah. makes for a great. Well, I think any metropolitan area, I know, you know, the guys here in Metro Charlotte, I mean, there's a lot of workouts throughout the city and downtown and um, there's so many things to do. And I'm assuming some of the other larger metropolitan uh, cities could also incorporate some of that neatness uh, in a, in a daily act, you know, workout or whatever. So speaking of CSOPs, you mentioned CSOP being one of the things that really kind of gets you going. Uh, Any one in particular that stands out in your mind as, as a great accomplishment or something you always look forward to doing? Yeah. So I guess the, you know, the one that I, that I loved. um, So yeah, the first one I did was a was a marathon star course. That was that was cool. We do this thing every year now. We're coming up on our third, which is the the Keystone Convergence. We get guys from all all over the state together in City Island in uh, in in Harrisburg, and we do like a twenty mile overnight ruck, then like a two hour beat down, and then a service project. Oh wow. So that's, that's a that's a big that's a very very busy like 16 hours it's that's that's pretty awesome but the one that was a real eye-opener for me was the the uh, capital they're not going to do it this year because they have they have a they have a grow rock this thing called the arc which was in january and it's an overnight rock in january in dc um my the uh the uh hose on my camelback froze at about 3 a.m that kind of that kind of stuff because it was so cold it was it was it was incredible absolutely amazing i remember it got to a point i couldn't lift the 50 pound sandbag over my head any longer when it was my turn to carry but uh the guys were gracious enough to load it on 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 my back for me and so i know going into i'm gonna see all those guys again at at the grow rocks i've been working on the shoulders so yeah (laughs) so so so, so I, i i don't fail 10 hours in Right. What do you know the date of that grow rock by chance? It, it it's the last weekend in in March. Okay. March gotcha. of twenty three. It's good. Yeah. So I got so this year I'll do that. I'll do the Keystone Convergence in late June, and then our Ragnar Trail team is early October. So I have three very different overnight endurance events, and you know, and I get I get keyed up for all of them. Yeah, no, and and you're kind of different, different variations, different styles of exercise, which is pretty neat. That was the Ragnar Trail Race in your region. Or are you traveling for that? Yeah, it's in it's in northern New Jersey, so okay, it's it's, it's close by. We have um, basically that it's an eight man man team, and we all regularly post together on on the Saturdays. So we're just taking that experience, and we're going to have a nice camping trip together, which is inter, you know which is interrupted by sixteen miles of trail running. So per man. So yeah, I know I've, I've, I've participated in a handful of those trail runs myself. Uh, we used to have one here in the backyard in Fort mill, uh, for many, many years. And you know, the same style eight man team, I'm assuming is eight man team, three loops, uh, a, yep. a small, medium, larger loop. And every man rotates through all three of them before everybody's finished type of situation. It's exactly that. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's a great super formula. neat experience. So uh, if you're listening to this and you've never had an opportunity to do that, it's really the best of, it's one of my favorite style of racing, just because you get a camp, you're, you're in one spot, unlike some of these longer, you know, endurance runs where you're in a van for two days and, and driving, you know, forward to a destination. Here you have a camp, a base, and everyone's uh, hanging out and you get a lot of second F. Uh, during it and, and, and sprinkle in a few, you know, a few runs as far as the first half goes. So well, good luck to you, man. That That's going to be fun. Um, and it uh, sounds like you're gearing up for it with all the running you're already doing. Now, will you do things like marathons as well? I mean, you mentioned being in this running club. Does that lend itself to do those type of runs? Is that something on a bucket list of yours? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's funny. Cause so when I was training for the last Ragnar, I realized so that was an October race in like June. I was going out for my long runs. I was hitting like 15, 16 miles on my longs. And I looked at the calendar like, well, the Philly Marathon's the third week of November. <laughs> I'm most of the way there volume wise. So yeah, so I ran in, in 21, I ran my, uh, it's my first running mar- marathon in Philly. And that was, that was a fantastic experience. Um, it is, um, a love for me, it was a lovely 20 miles and then the worst 10 K of my life to finish it out. But, uh, it, the feeling of accomplishment in, in crossing the line on that one. And it was great because I got to train with the running club guys, got to train with F3 guys, did a bunch of, you know, a bunch of different stuff. And, and it is a lot of, a lot of those things too, though. It's so different than other events because the marathon hangs out there as one day and you know, you have to peak on that one day. And that was, I learned a lot about recovery and nutrition and how to prepare myself and pick the brains of so many different people, but so many different where they'd done heavy rock events, long running events. Listen, like, what did you do to get ready? How did you prepare? And the amount of advice, you know, the, the wisdom of, of the crowd that you can get through F3 is amazing. Yeah. Now you need to convert some of your running club into F3 guys and then just kill two birds with one stone. Just have running AOs on Tuesday nights and uh, Wednesday <laughs> night. And that way you're officially posting all those days. Um, you mentioned strategy around nutrition. You know, part of getting healthy is more than just the king building, the, the, the exercise component. Part of it's the queen. And for the most part, we're really kind of referring to the fuel or the food and stuff that we're putting into our system. What kind of diet strategy do you have? I mean, do you follow anything specific? Is there something that you found that works really well for you? Um, share a little yeah, bit about well, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I am an omnivore. I like all kinds of food. Um, but what I do for myself, so I, I work from home, which can be very, very dangerous when you can get your kitchen, you know, in between me, in, in between meetings. So I sort of lay some ground rules for myself that you know the first so i have fruit with a fruit every morning with breakfast usually a bowl of oatmeal and some berries um if i'm gonna have a snack before lunch my snack is always a plant the first snack is always something that grew someplace um i'm fortunate i live very close to a very nice green grocer i can pick up really good fresh locally grown produce all the time here um, for lunch, always the first bit of stuff. I usually do like roast vegetables with like some tzatziki sauce or something like that. 
to make it a little bit tasty, but to fill myself up with that kind of stuff first and foremost, and then always a salad with dinner. And I figure if I keep those kind of things going, you know, especially as we come into what I call the fat season, which is Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve, where diets just go out the window because there's a million different events. I sort of hew to all those things that can keep me pretty much on target for what I need to do. Um, but it does get very, very, and I, you know, if my daughter's baking cookies, I know I'm going to eat some cookies. So I better have all the other meals be right. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear you mention the Philly cheesesteak. I would imagine that would have been part of the, 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 the diet at some point, huh? It, it does happen. It happens most when, so like my sister will come in from out of town. She lives yep. down, in, down in Atlanta. You know, she and the kids have to get cheesesteaks. So you, you, and that's what just makes the fat season even fatter because sure. there is zero nutritional value to those. But man, are they good. I hear. So in your opinion, who makes the best one in the area? So I would go. So there's a little local guy, uh, Conestoga style um, in Garrett Hill, which is my favorite um, local steak. And then, of course, in classic Philly fashion, the place that a lot of people love down on South Street, Jim's burnt down. So that's a like a classic Philly story right there. You know the good stuff, and then um, Delisandros in Philly is also a very, very good steak. I would say. Okay. Okay. Well, so if you're traveling downrange packs and you're in the Philadelphia area, uh, you know, a you can call up Trigger. He can maybe be able to give you a, a, a date for lunch. Otherwise, you know, try to go maybe find one of these uh, establishments to get get a good Philly cheesesteak. Yeah, I don't eat a lot of Philly cheesesteaks. I mean, I like steak. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I will say, yeah, that was one of the things that we did, obviously, as a family. Every tourist does it. You you go find the whatever Philly cheesesteak. And we had a few patients from the Philly area that were down here in the Carolinas that each had their own opinion on where to go and which one to check out. And I, I forgot the name of the one we ended up going to, but I just remember it was like under a bridge. So it was like the most obscure backwoods someplace. I don't know, uh, but to your point, it was delicious and um, highly recommend uh, you try it out if you've never had a Philly cheesesteak, especially in Philadelphia. So yeah, well, you, very you, good. That, you did the right way. You want to eat at those kind of places. You don't want to go yeah. to a place with brand new sparkling clean interiors. You, you know, you need a, a grouchy guy with a with a stain, oh, yeah. you know, behind the grill. You need makes it authentic. You, you don't want the you don't want the sanitized, disnified version of it. You got oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we were definitely kind of, I think we we're the only people there that weren't like, you know, a municipality worker on lunch break, just getting, you know, their, the, the, the sandwich. Uh, you know, you could tell most of the people eating there were locals that just, yeah. they knew where the right spot was. And, you know, this is just their place. And, you know, we were holding up the line because, you know, we're reading the menu, trying to figure out what we want. Everybody else has their favorite and they're just kind of walking up and, Embark in orders. So, uh, fun experience. Um, so, kind of coming up on time here, Trigger, but uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share um, as far as health and wellness uh, strategies that you do? Anything that you want to kind of share in addition to what you've already done? I just, the, I would definitely say speak up 
own what you're going to do. So if you're like, when I signed up for the marathon, I clipped my little receipt, took a screenshot of it, and I put it in our, I put it in one, one, one of our Philly Slack channels and say, I'm committing to this. I'm going to do this run. I'm going to make this happen. Um, another thing, like, if you're bad at scheduling doctor's appointments, tell people at the end of the workout, I need to schedule my physical. I need to schedule my colonoscopy. I need to schedule my dentist visit, whatever it is. Put it out there. Be held accountable to doing it. And it gets done because all yeah. of a sudden it's not, it's not you fighting it. It's you got 12 guys cheering for you to get it done. And it changes the dynamic of the whole thing. No, I totally, totally agree. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Is there anything we as a nation need to hold you accountable for? I need to be about five pounds lighter before the Ragnar. I know that much. Okay. My knees, okay. Will, my knees will appreciate that. There, there you go. You have until next fall for that, right? Is that yeah, what I heard? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no reason you can't accomplish that. Part of that's just keep showing up in the gloom, right? Uh, exactly. Keep show, taking that daily red peel, pill. So speaking of that, you know, what is that motivating factor for you on a day-to-day basis? Because you've been at this for a few years now. You've been at this leader. So in your mind, what what is that motivating daily red pill um, yeah, for you? Yeah, so there is a long family history of heart disease Okay. in, in my family. And I get it from both sides, from my mom and from my dad. Um, and so one of the things is I've seen how prior generations of my family have suffered, how at times they've become burdens before they should have been, they got their lives ended earlier than they should have. And, you know, I'm in my late forties. This is the time when a lot of people started to really show manifest. I mean, the problems obviously started earlier than that, but this is the time that started to manifest themselves for some of these people. And so I don't want to be that. I don't want, you know, I, you know, my wife's too young to be a widow. My kids need to have a dad. Um, you know, you can't outrun your genes, but you can do an awful lot in the kitchen and in the gloom to overcome, you know, you know, hereditary things. So when I, so I have those days, right, where it's raining out. I know I got to get in an eight mile run and I'm just staring at my sneakers and I don't want to put them on. And I go, yeah, you know what? I got, it's not about me. It's much bigger than me. I got to get those on, get out the door, crank up the Spotify, get the miles in. Yeah, no, it's the living third. It's bigger than ourselves. And, you know, you, you share probably a similar uh, purpose and a reason, a reason that most of us do, which is, you know, our families and, and being around and being healthy and, and the quality of life that we all want. And the continued uh, impact, I think, that we all want to continue to have, uh, not only in our personal lives, but in our community and so forth. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. We'll keep doing it. Keep keep getting out there. Keep putting on the shoes. And and sometimes it's, you know, it's just taking those small steps, right? It's, it's not, oh, I got to go run eight miles. It's, okay, the first thing I got to do is put on these shoes. And then you get the shoes on. And then it's, I got to go to wherever that is, uh, uh you know, where the launch point is, whether it's your home or driving to an AO or whatever, it's kind of breaking it down in these smaller steps. And as we do that, it just kind of, ca- it's the catalyst to keep moving and 
doing the next thing. So yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Well, I got two final questions for you here, Trigger. And the first one is this, uh, you've already given us tons of good little tips and tidbits, if you will, about health and nutrition. But if you had somebody that was on the fence about getting uh, out in the gloom or, or starting their own hunt for wellness, what would three tips that you would get them to, to get started moving you know, their health in the right direction? Well, I think the first thing I tell people to do, don't measure it in distance, don't measure it in reps, don't measure it in anything except for time. Say, I'm going to set aside 30 minutes to, 30 minutes today, 45 minutes today for my own fitness, for my own well-being. I'm going to, because you can, everyone understands that amount of, that, that amount of time. Second thing, you have to ask the person a very serious question. What happens if you don't do this? What are the, re, what, what, what are the repercussions of staying the same? And then the third thing I would tell them, is find somebody who's going to do this with you. Yeah, no, super important. And I love how you broke that down because, you know, a lot of times we have this idea of what we're going to do or achieve versus, you know, the time commitment necessary. Um, and, and that that's easier to understand. And, and that way it's not goal, you know, it's not specific on what you accomplish as much as, the, uh, the act of doing it or working towards that goal. Um, so anyway, I've never heard of, heard it put like that before. So I, I appreciate you doing that. I do have one final question for you, but before I ask it, I do want to just take another moment here and thank you. Uh, tell you, I appreciate you for a coming on the show and sharing some of your, uh, journey, uh, opening up about uh, the mental battle and, and some of the tips that you did there. And, and just what you're doing uh, from a leadership standpoint, not only in your local region, but what you're doing uh, for the nation. And I know those Nantans that rely on you to be that support structure. So thank you for that. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, before I ask the question, though, is there a way that other PACS members can reach out to you? If someone heard you speak today or have questions for you or just want to connect to you, personally, what's some best ways for them to do that? Well, if they're on the nation's Slack, um, find trigger and send me a message. Um, because I work from home, I tend to have that window open a lot of times during the day. And of course I get the notifications on, on my phone as well. So that's probably the easiest thing. Um, and then if you, if, if I, on Twitter, I'm almost not really, is my Twitter handle. So if you go to the okay. Philly or Valley Forge or Villanova Twitter pages, you can, you can link up with, with me there. And yeah, those are probably the, uh, the uh, two best okay. ways. And there might be something now since I'm the Northeast sector kid, there might be something on the nation's website. I don't even know. I got to check in. I got to check in. Oh that. yeah. Yeah. I don't know that either. I, I, I know I found you on the uh, nation's Slack channel. So that was pretty simple to do. So if you want to reach out that I do recommend that uh, as well. So my last question is this trigger. What is your definition of wellness? So when I think of wellness, I think about um, sort of Da Vinci's balanced man in that I have things going on right for myself, physically, mentally, emotionally, and intellectually. And that I'm feeding all of those things 
the right way and then pouring myself into what's important in my life. Thanks for listening to the Hunt for Wellness podcast. Please rate and review our show and be sure to share it with your F3 brothers. As always, we are looking for inspiring stories to share and health experts to interview. So if that's you, please reach out to me at bones at huntforwellness.com, on the nation Slack at bones, or Twitter at HFW Podcast. And until next time, this has been Bones guiding the packs of F3 Nation on their hunt for wellness.